Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is Trinity Sunday. And the Trinity is an essential doctrine of the Christian life. Rooted in Scripture, the fruit of the church's reflection, bearing decisive importance on our understanding of God, the value of human beings, and the shape of our life and mission as followers of Jesus. Now I can see some of you are already going, the Trinity, essential, please. Or some of you going, of decisive importance? Come on! And some of you aren't even with us. Some of you aren't even thinking now. You've already pressed your internal snooze buttons. Wake up! Wake up! The Trinity is an essential doctrine of the Christian life, rooted in Scripture, the fruit of the Church's reflection, bearing decisive importance for our understanding of God, the value of human beings, and the shape of our life and mission as followers of Jesus. So wake up, stretch your proverbial legs, keep up in this race. If you think you can, it will be worth it to get to the finish line. First lap of our mental and spiritual run this morning. Essential doctrine. Let's say that together. Essential doctrine. Pretty much every major statement of Christian faith for the last 20 centuries has either included or stressed as essential importance the Trinity. This is not some peculiar aspect of one denominational tradition, but is included in pretty much just about every denominational tradition of Christianity. Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Anglican, that's us, Protestant. So to speak of God in the Christian sense is to speak of the Trinity. What creed do we recite most Sundays? The Nicene Creed. Have you noticed that the Nicene Creed is organized around the three persons of the Trinity? I'm quoting from the prayer book here. The first section says, We believe in one God, the Father Almighty. The second section is, We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. And the third section is, We believe in the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. Right from our prayer book. Second lap. It's got to be looking for that. Rooted in Scripture. Let's say that together. Rooted in Scripture. So the doctrine or belief in the Trinity is not explicitly taught in the Scripture. But the Bible is suggestive of a Trinitarian understanding of God. And there are very many verses in the Bible you can find that point toward this understanding. Now, as much as Barrett and Liberty want me to go through every verse in the Bible that talks about a Trinitarian understanding, we don't have time to do that this morning. We make our run way too long. But the lessons appointed for this Sunday in the church's year, Trinity Sunday, include some of these Trinitarian type of verses. For example, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 13. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 
If you've heard that verse before this Sunday, raise your hand. Okay, see lots of hands. Third lap of our mental and spiritual run, the fruit of the church's reflection. Let's say that together. The fruit of the church's reflection. So the idea of the Trinity was based on the first Christian's experience. They discovered it through their experience. It wasn't some weird abstraction by some person in an ivory tower. To try to put yourself in the sneakers or the sandals of the very first Christians. So they're trying to make sense of everything that happened in and through the life of Jesus. And the very first Christians, even those who weren't direct witnesses to the resurrection, had this sense that Jesus was alive. That they knew Jesus. And that the power and presence of Jesus was alive in them and was alive in the wider world. They already knew about God as creator. They discovered this new thing with Jesus. And then the spirit that continued that power and presence in Jesus. So they started to just, out of their what they went through, to talk about God in this Trinitarian manner. Now, theologians and philosophers then later took this idea and refined it and developed it with all of their helpful and sometimes not so helpful sophistication. Okay, only 12 laps to go. No, I'm just kidding. But let's take a little breather. Let's take a little breather for the next lap. So I was walking down Central Avenue yesterday in Main Street, and this guy came up to me, and he wanted to talk about the meaning of life. So he said, Father, there are three types of people in the world. And I said, really? What what, what, what are they? And the guy said, there are those who can count and those who can't. Three types of people, those who can count, and those who can't. Okay, some of you are sitting there going, Father, there are three types of priests in the world. There are those who can tell jokes. There are those who can't. And there are those who think they can. Well, I don't know about that, but you know at least I will make a try. Fourth lap. Decisive importance for our understanding of God. Let's say that together. Decisive importance for our understanding of God. St. John, our patron here at this church, known as St. John the Apostle, St. John the Evangelist, St. John the Theologian, has many titles. But St. John is famous for saying one thing in particular. Do you know what that is? He says in 1 John 4, 8... God is love. God is love. Turn to somebody and tell them that. Tell them God is love. This is a Trinitarian statement. God is love is a Trinitarian statement. Think of the Trinity as a perfect divine dance of relationship. That's something to ponder, to chew on. A perfect divine dance of relationship. Another theologian talks about the Trinity this way. Quote, The Trinity means that relationships, fellowship, togetherness, sharing, self-giving, and other-centeredness are not afterthoughts with God, but are the deepest truths about God. End of quote. 
St. Augustine of Hippo, anyone heard of him? Okay, the great bishop and scholar of the 5th century who probably influences our understanding of Christianity more than any other theologian. You don't even know who he is. That's okay. Now you've heard of him. He used relational language to explain the Trinity. He talked about the lover, the father, the beloved, the son, and the love between them, the spirit. You can also phrase that the mother, the lover, the daughter, the beloved, and the love between them, the spirit. How many of you find the Trinity challenging to understand? Lots of hands. And that's okay. And it's true that the Trinity is a mystery. And it's true that God is a mystery. But don't let that just be a throwaway comment or an excuse to not think seriously about it. Mysteries are things we can explore. They're not just things we go, I know nothing about. We can explore. We can learn. We can know something about it. And the mystery of the Trinity, the mystery of God, is not the mystery of some God who doesn't care about you and is far away, but the mystery of some God who's wrathful and whose sole purpose is to get you and mess up your life. No, the purpose of the mystery, of the purpose of the God and the Trinity that we experience is a God who knows you more than you know yourself. The mystery of the Trinity is a God who's willing to suffer alongside of you. A God who's even willing to suffer on a cross. Fifth lap. The value of human beings. Let's say that together. The value of human beings. Today's lesson from Genesis chapter 1. That was, by the way, our Bible listening challenge for the month. That long lesson. But there's a very peculiar verse. It's very strange in the lesson. I wonder if you picked up on it. It's quite odd. I wonder how you make sense of it. Genesis 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image. Hmm, what's, what's going on with that? Now, whether we rely primarily on that verse or not, this Christian faith that we're talking about here, this Trinitarian faith, claims that every human being, to use the Latin expression, is created in the Imago Dei. The Imago Dei. I said it together. The Imago Dei. The image of God. It goes on in verse 27. So God created humankind in His image, and the image of God He created them. Now, we're not sure, can't be certain, but is the us and the we, is that a reference to Trinity? So, keep your spiritual thinking hats on, please. And by the way, don't just feel your faith, think your faith. So keep your spiritual thinking hats on. If God is inherently Trinitarian and relational, then what does that mean for human beings? We are inherently Trinitarian and relational. That means human beings are created for relationship with God, created for relationship with other people. This means that every human being is created in the image of God, as an image bearer. This is not sentimental thinking. This is transformational thinking. The Trinity, the reality, but the truth of it says that every human being that you will ever lock eyes with is created in the image of God. That they were created for relationship with, with God, with others, and with all of creation. Here's the tough part of the sermon. 
So this truth about the Trinity and about human beings applies to, well, how shall I put it? It also applies to those people. It applies to those people, whoever those people are to you or to whatever group or government. So those people, fill it in your mind, fill in the blank for you, whoever those people are, are also created in the image of God. And it is part of the Christian church's mission to speak up on behalf of those people when necessary, when appropriate, when needed. So if you, or someone you know, if our whole society has gotten to the point where the political rhetoric is so fierce and so damaging that it doesn't sound like there's any recognition of the humanity of those on the other side, we, they, the society needs to be reminded, image bearer, image bearer, Or if we, in our fear, or in our particular convictions, or in our anger, have so stereotyped some group of people because their skin color is different than us, because their beliefs are different than us, because their sexuality is different than us, well then, they, we, the society needs to be reminded, image bearer, and needs to afford them basic courtesy and basic respect. At least if you're a Christian. If you don't want to do that, then don't say you're a Christian. Six lap. The final lap, actually, of our mental and spiritual run this morning. The shape of our life and mission as followers of Jesus. Let's say that. The shape of our life and mission as followers of Jesus. You may not have thought about it this way before, but the most important things in life are Trinitarian in shape. Relationships. Giving. Being focused on others instead of being focused on self. To be a Christian, one definition of being a Christian is to be an image bearer who has received the gift of salvation, the gift of God's grace and forgiveness. The de- one definition of the Christian life is for us to so cooperate with the Spirit so that God transforms you and me in how we think, and how we live, and how we love. And to be a part of a spiritual community that is committed to loving that image of God in other people, both near and far. Near and far. Now check this out. This again is a difficult part of the message, that near and far can be interpreted both geographically, but also ideologically. Love those near and far, physically to you and also an ideology from you. This Trinitarian shape of the Christian life, this Trinitarian shape of our mission, is essential to Christianity. And if you don't like what you've been hearing, your problem is not with me, the preacher. Your problem is not with St. John's. Your problem is with Jesus. Because he makes it explicitly clear in today's Gospel lesson from Matthew. When he leaves his instructions, when he leaves his standing orders for Christians, for the church... He tells us to pass on the faith to all generations, right? Pass on the faith to all generations. But what language does he use? He says, make disciples in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, wake up! The Trinity is an essential doctrine of the Christian life. Rooted in the Scripture. 
the fruit of the church's reflection, capital C Church, and bearing decisive importance for our understanding of God, the value of human beings, and the shape of our life and mission as followers of Jesus. However, enough training laps. Enough training laps. It's time for us to actually run this race, to live this Trinitarian life, this Trinitarian mission. Which is, by the way, what we send you out to do every week. That's what you're sent out to do every week. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Live the Trinitarian shape. Live the Trinitarian mission. And you do that when you're at school. You do that at work. You do that when you're home. You do that wherever you are, wherever I am. So remember, our God is triune. Our mission as image bearers is love. On your mark, get set, go. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.